0: So there has been a major escalation by Iran in its conflict with the United States. Exactly as we've been afraid of, three American soldiers were killed in a drone attack near Syria, dozens of soldiers injured, and this, we, we suspected that it was only a matter of time and that has been proven to be correct. Conflict is not even the right word here because it's a one-sided conflict. Because here we have a bloodbath taking place by Iran on the United States. And the United States is totally passive. The U.S. military has done virtually nothing. There have been 159 attacks, 159 attacks by Iranian-backed proxies and terror groups against the United States with virtually no retaliation. They bombed some empty facilities, some, epi- some empty weapons storage facility. So Biden essentially has given Iran the green light to keep upping the ante, to keep pressing harder, testing further. And you know who else knew that this was going to happen, not just us. President Biden, okay, or whoever's running the place, the White House knew, they know how Iran operates, okay? This is not a secret. But what happened was Biden placed his own agenda to avoid any sort of conflict with Iran. That's the big agenda right now. That is all they're living for, is do not get into a conflict, don't let it escalate. And they put that uh, uh, above the lives of of U.S. soldiers. And even now, you know, they're talking about the big response and they're saying, you know, they're warning Iran and there's all sorts of alerts. I expect a token response. I do not expect a retaliation that is nearly commensurate with this level of attack. And this is an act of war. Make no mistake about it. Iran has engaged maybe even everything up until now, but certainly this is undeniable. This is an act of war. U.S. troops are in danger. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that I'm pleasantly surprised. And none of this is pleasant, obviously. But I hope there's a real serious retaliation, the kind of retaliation that Trump would carry out. But I am highly skeptical. Um, it's more likely to me that Biden will start moving troops out of the region. And that's exactly what Iran, that, that is the end result that Iran is hoping for. But do you think there's going to be a, a, a real encounter? Do you think that Biden is going to bomb uh, uh, Iranian troops and uh, do some sort of commensurate retaliation? I, don't, I I would not put one single dollar on that bet. Uh, By the way, a letter has been sent so much to get to a letter has been sent to Congress from 10 former FBI officials, and they say that terrorists are invading the country as we speak, exploiting Biden's open borders. And they literally are saying that Biden is complicit with an invasion of terrorists through the southern border. And they actually say that a terror attack, although it's preventable, that a terror attack is imminent. So we'll tell you about that letter coming up. Shocking letter. Meanwhile, many countries, about 15 countries at this point, have suspended funding to UNRWA. And, uh, yeah, 15 countries at this point. And the, the problem is, I don't believe that it's going to last. Uh, the UN leader, Gutierrez, he is urging them, he's begging these countries to please reconsider, to please restore funding to UNRWA. And he says that there are so many, and by the way, the numbers at this point are staggering. Originally the media was reporting 12, now it turns out it's 1200. Now it turns out it, the, the number uh, that 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 Israel uh, has proof or strongly suspects as being members of Hamas or members of terror organizations in Gaza are twelve hundred twelve hundred UNRWA employees, and I'll bet you the number is even higher than that. I bet mean, you that's a conservative estimate. But Gutierrez says. Please keep funding us. Please keep funding this UN agency uh, in Gaza because there's a lot of upstanding people. They're doing a lot of good work. He says, look at all the humanitarian missions. He says, you have to fund them because they need to keep doing these humanitarian causes. You need to fund the humanitarian missions. You, uh, what's going to happen to that? Don't punish them. Don't punish the innocent people of Gaza who need the funding. Uh, it's unbelievable. You can't make it up. You cannot make this stuff up. Gutierrez is saying... Look at the humanitarian mission and the humanitarian uh, needs that are going to suffer because you're not funding UNRWA. No, you, you humanitarian. It's 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 a terror group. The most disturbing part is I believe that they will restore funding. I, I and to me I, and I hope again. I hope I'm wrong, but we've seen this so, too many times already. The same narrative where I think before November, I virtually guarantee you that they will restore funding to UNRWA. The United States and most of these countries in Europe. What's going to happen is, remember, they had no choice. This announcement was made, like, on Friday. They made this announcement hoping that it would be buried in the news cycle. It was not. They don't want to—Biden does not want to alienate Muslim voters. He's, we have seen that many times over. So the last thing Biden wanted to do was defund UNRA. But the problem was UNRWA. They were confronted with evidence from Israel, undeniable evidence of of, of all these hundreds and more of terrorists in UNRWA. I mean, the, the stories are just— they're chilling stories of what these people engaged in, and and they're and they're literally members of a UN agency. This is a massive, massive blow to, to the UN. So the UN immediately fired twelve employees who literally were were there in October. The twelve that were fired. This is, this this story is so much bigger than the media is making it out to be, except the Wall Street Journal. But the twelve that were fired, they literally partook participated in the the Shmini Atzeres Simchas Torah attack in the in the Hamas terror attack. The rest of them are are members of Hamas or linked to Hamas in some way. So you the UN had no choice; they had to fire these people. Once that happens, they're basically admitting they are. They're admitting that they are uh, linked to Hamas terror group, the UNRWA, which is something we've known and something Israel's been saying forever. So Biden at that point had no choice, and these other countries had no choice. Now they're just waiting for it to blow over, and this is not permanent. Biden cannot wait to restore funding, just like he did the first time after Trump had already defunded them the first time. UNRWA is a terrorist agency. They're not just enabling terrorism. They are terrorists. Like I said, according to The Wall Street Journal, Israel exposed 1,200 UNRWA employees. That's a tenth, 10 percent. And again, I'm sure there are more. Um 1,200 UN refugee agency employees. And it's just incredible. And by the way, everybody knew this is not something, this is not a secret. Israel made this public long ago, but everybody conveniently ignored it. And like I said, I really think that Biden will restore funding sometime before November. All right. President Biden has been exposed as an election denier. Yeah. But President Biden, number one, he refuses to accept the fact that Glenn Youngkin, their Republican is the governor of Virginia. I will tell you about. I'm going to play you a clip here momentarily, and uh, I want to thank a listener. There's a listener, young man, an a 11th grader who's been listening to the show for years since he was much younger, and he has an older brother who's been listening. I'm I'm, I'm in contact with them, and they're both very, very special young men, wonderful young men. So they send me emails at joshatvinnews.com, joshatvinnews.com. So he actually found the clips for me, and uh, and emailed them to me. So I'm going to play you those. Number one, Biden refused to accept Yankee. Number two. Uh, Biden actually, apparently agrees with Trump that the 2020 election was rigged, that Trump is the actual president right now, the sitting president, because Biden referred to Trump. You can't make this stuff up. He referred to Trump as a sitting president in a speech. Uh, and, and like I said, he, in, la- in a speech last week, Biden claimed, well, let me play you here the first clip where Biden claimed that the real governor of Virginia is Terry McAuliffe. Listen to this clip. Hello, Virginia. And the real governor, Terry McAuliffe. Real governor, Terry McAuliffe. look at that. All right, we'll get to that in a moment. Real governor, Terry, Mc- Terry McAuliffe lost, actually. Well, he was just joking. Well, imagine when Trump makes jokes like that, the media goes haywire. All right, listen to the next clip, also sent to me by this young man, of Biden calling Trump. This was just the other day. Biden calling Trump a sitting president. Listen to this clip. Let me tell you who else is noticing that. Donald Trump. <laughs> Did you see what he recently said about He wants to see the economy crash this year? A sitting president. Come on, man. (laughs) A sitting president. He calls him a sitting president. So uh, what happened here? Is Biden, is this secretly Biden is admitting that Trump was right after all the election was rigged and uh, he stole the election? Calling Trump a sitting president? Now, It's possible. It is possible that Biden just meant that Trump is sitting, like sitting down, like sitting in a chair. I don't know. You know, you never know with Biden. You never know what he means. But Biden is an election denier. Now, you're going to say, well, it was just a joke. You know, the sitting president part, I guess Biden got confused. He meant a former president. By the way, he looked off. the. I actually saw the video. He looked off prompter when he said that part of sitting president. He seemed to be reading from the prompter that speech and then. When he mentioned a sitting president, he's looking around the room. So my guess is that he got confused, that the line was a former president, but that he looked away and lost his train of thought and went down to his instinct, which is, Oh, Trump's really the president, because after all he knows he stole the election. But um but here's the thing, you'll say the other one was a joke with Terry McAuliffe. It's not a laughing matter. And when Trump makes these kinds of jokes, they literally like will indict and impeach Trump over jokes that are made like that and throw him off a of ballots and call him an insurrectionist. So these types of things, when, there's a total double standard. So I understand you tell me Biden was joking. Well, there's certain things that you just should not joke about, but, um, you know, Biden, and, and you tell me, oh, what about Trump? I mean, I, I would not compare the two, but fine. You want to go there? Uh, all I'm saying is that it, it, there's a total double standard. That's for sure. You know, you want to tell me, just stop joke, making those jokes altogether. Trump should too. I'm open to that. I happen to find it very entertaining when Trump does it, but, you know, Trump a few weeks ago, they asked him if he's going to be a dictator, Sean Hannity, and Trump said on day one I'll be a dictator. He basically said he shut down the border on day one. He made some kind of joke about becoming a dictator for like a day. And the media, they left off that last part, and, oh, Trump said he's going to be a dictator. The media will take a Trump joke, and literally that'll be like the next three days of news cycle. All they'll talk about is how Trump wants to be a dictator. All right, a school board in Pennsylvania is bringing back its racist team mascot you can't make this stuff up the old mascot and now it's being brought back which was allegedly racist and it was removed because it was racist it was it depicted a native american fighter so the school board decided it was racist now what a native american like a warrior the, the apparently the, the the team is called the warriors and uh, uh, that that area in york county pennsylvania that particular area where the school is located was inhabited by like a lot of native americans so, in order to pay tribute to the Native Americans, it was actually done in, in, out of respect for the culture, the heritage, and even though now it's totally not, now it's totally white, but they named it the Warriors, and their mascot was, and the logo was a Native American, a Native American warrior. What is racist about a Native American warrior? So, the school board oust, ousted it, claiming it's racist, then the parent body decided to oust the school, ouster the school board. They literally got rid of the school board, voted them out. Voted in a new school board who pledged that they would bring back the uh, Native American warrior mascot, and that's exactly what they did. And now it turns out that the real racists are the people who removed it. It's un- it's unbelievable, isn't this always how it happens? Because the white parent, the white school board that removed it in the name of racism. It turns out they didn't want their school associated with Native Americans. Think about how twisted this is, that these racists, they don't like the fact that their area was inhabited by American Indians. They don't like that culture. They want to erase any kind of vestige, any kind of memory, excuse me, of Native Americans, of American Indians. So they say, oh, you know what? This is diversity. With the diversity committee, they say, this mascot is racist. We don't want this mascot anymore. So it's egregious. They're literally getting rid of the mascot in the name of racism. Claiming, and they're the racist. They they don't want to anything to do with this thing, but they say, oh no, it's racist. You shouldn't have this Native American warrior. Why not? You're paying respect. It is a sign of respect. You're showing the heroism. You're not, uh, it's not demeaning in any way. And by the way, the vote by the school board to reinstate the mascot came after a presentation by something called NAGA, not to be confused, confused with MAGA, but NAGA, the Native American Guardians Association, which lobbies against the removal of Native American mascots. They made a presentation saying, keep this thing. This thing is not racist. Supported. By the way, uh, uh, there are those who say that a lot of the students and the parents actually supported. They f- they they were in favor. They wanted this logo to remain, and they never wanted it to be taken down. But they were afraid of being labeled racist, so they either didn't say anything, stayed silent, or they actually voted for it to be removed because they were worried about being labeled. And that's the intimidation tactic. The left does that all the time. They accuse you of racism and then you're afraid, even though it's not racist. They made up the racism. but And and apparently they're the racist, but you get labeled a racist and you're blacklisted and you're banished and suddenly they make your life miserable. So people went along with it, but they really didn't believe that it was racist. And we see the same thing with the climate, with the COVID vaccine. You see this over and over again. Oh, you, you don't believe you're a denier. And people are afraid. They don't want their life to be ruined by by the folks on the left. Now, I think they should bring back the Washington Redskins. I think they should bring back the Cleveland Indians. Again, same story. The Native American activists, they say there's nothing racist about Redskin, nothing racist about Cleveland Indians. Again, it's it's just a bogus cause. And like I said, the minorities that they're trying to protect, the Native Americans themselves, they say, uh, do us a favor. You're not doing anything to help us. Please just leave us alone. We don't need your help. Speaking of diversity, the FBI is now hiring agents, not based on merit, but based on diversity. And the FBI, of all agencies, the FBI, the top law enforcement in the country, uh, uh, you're you're not going to hire agents based on merit. You're not going to hire agents based on whether they qualify to protect our country. No wonder crime is so bad. No wonder things are out of control here because they're hiring the FBI based on diversity, based on skin color. FBI agents and and ignoring whether or not they're actually qualified and actually have the merit, which is very, very disturbing. So we will get to that coming up. All right. Like I said, an Iranian drone strike. This is very, very horrific news has killed three American soldiers. This is the worst attack yet by Iran on uh, American military forces, 159. There have been 159 attacks that U.S. forces have sustained since mid-October. And Reuters says at least 34 soldiers are being evaluated for traumatic brain injuries. President Biden said, we will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. I'm sorry, I'm not holding my breath here. We'll wait and see. And I'll be the first to admit, if Biden, if there is a commensurate retaliation, and when I say commensurate, now, now, by the way, I think if they do a hundred times what was done by Iran, that's, that's totally, totally justified. You know my opinion on that. You just obliterate them. You, you, you wage a war with America, and you kill, you, you taunt. And do all these attacks against U.S. soldiers, 159, 159 in a few months. Do you realize those numbers? How could a soldier possibly have any faith in his commander in chief, Joe Biden, right now and not feel totally betrayed? And uh, so no matter what, I don't care how I don't care the magnitude of this attack. It's not it's not nearly enough. But certainly at the very least, you have to you have to do, do the equivalent at the very least. Is Biden going to do that? I, I, I'm extremely skeptical. And there, by the way, they're not calling it an act. You know, Kirby was asked as an act of war and uh, Kirby basically dodged the question. Now, foreign policy experts blame the attack on no surprise. We've been literally saying this for months on Biden's weakness in responding to America's enemies. Um Rebecca Heinrichs, senior fellow at the Hudson Hudson Institute, and she's like a defense expert. She said, quote, This is as enraging as it was predictable. Biden's strategy for dealing with Iran's proxies is to respond with half measures out of a fear of escalation. It is analogous to giving a rampaging mass murderer warning shots rather than trying to eliminate him. It will not stop him. It will enrage and embolden him and lead to more escalation and tragically at the expense of American lives, end quote. So she said that so perfectly. I'll just read again quickly over here. It's analogous to giving a rampaging mass murderer warning shots rather than trying to eliminate him. It will not stop him. It will enrage and embolden him and lead to more escalation. So that's exactly what, what Biden, Biden is egging them on. The, these token, just, uh, minor, little, nothing retaliations and, uh, just ignoring and, and just the words, you know, uh, don't, 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 whatever nonsense Biden is, 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 says to, to, to Iran in front of the mic. I mean, all that does is, escalates the situation, exacerbates. It just all that does is get Iran even more angry or more out of control. All right, let's get to some of the calls here. A caller says we were talking about possible uh, running mate picks for for President Trump to have on the ticket with him, possible VP picks. So uh, we mentioned a few. A caller says, what about Dr. Ben Carson? Dr. Ben Carson has been very loyal to Trump. He's been it's a great success story, rags to riches story, and he grew up basically in an urban area as, as a, a black child in a very poor family, became a successful doctor, I think he's a surgeon, and of course he was in Trump's cabinet, he's a very articulate, eloquent person. Dr. Ben Carson would be an excellent, excellent choice, very conservative, he's very low-key, as the caller points out, you know, similar in persona to, I guess, somebody like a Mike Pence, like the opposite of Trump, who's a, a little bit more, uh, Loud, a little bit louder, and a little bit more bombastic and boisterous, and uh, you know has a little bit more high energy. So Carson would kind of balance that out. Uh, another person that I know suggested, what about Matt Gates? Is Matt Gates a potential VP pick? And these are all great options to me. Trump has a lot of great options. For running mate. Now, I mentioned Mike Pompeo. There's a listener who sent me an email at joshadvinnews.com. So I'll wait for that. I'm, I'm going to read a couple of points the listener made in the email, but he, he was not happy with what I had to say about Mike Pompeo and he was right and we'll get to that. Um, the question is, is Trump going to specifically look to pick, to choose a woman, a female running mate on the ticket? And the reason for that would be to counteract and, you know, to kind of neutralize the abortion issue, because, of course, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that's a big issue. That was a big issue in 2022 in the midterms. And, you know, for a lot of women, that it becomes and it's very strange, even Republican women, for some reason, it becomes a one issue election where that to them is such a big fear, which is really, really shows you the, the insanity and how immoral, you know, the society has become that not only are they pro-abortion, But they're so pro-abortion, like they're so desperate to fight for the right to kill a fetus that that becomes the only thing that matters. And they can see, watch the country literally go down in flames as it's happening right now. And that like somehow. Now, I don't know how many women there are like this, but but clearly there are women and even some men, believe it or not. It's huge issues. So now is now is Trump going to go and choose a woman as a running mate? Not Nikki Haley, that's for sure, but maybe Stefanik or somebody else. Uh, in order to counteract that, I doubt it. It's not Trump's style. I don't think he thinks that way. I think he chooses somebody he thinks is a strong candidate. He doesn't think in terms of issues or like that type of strategy. But, you know, I, I'm just bringing it up. All right, so I'll get to that email right now, an email from a listener. Uh He said he made three points, and he wanted me to respond. Again, josh at vinnews.com. You can send me an email. So let me just read you his points here. Go point by point here. Number one. Quote, you mentioned that Mike Pompeo would be a good VP for Trump, that he was loyal to Trump throughout. Actually, he turned on Trump, said that he jeopardized, that Trump jeopardized our national security with the classified document scandal. And he said those were serious charges. um, Tucker Carlson had a whole video... About how Pompeo turned on Trump. Great point. I totally forgot about this. Pompeo totally caved into the swamp and the establishment uh, when it came to the classified documents case. I, I even discussed it. And, uh, you know, those, those, those quotes to me, I was very, very distraught. Now I still think Pompeo, I think he'd even be a good running mate. Okay. Uh, if, if they can get past that and mend that, that issue. And I think that he certainly would be great in the cabinet. Like I said, he was very successful, very pro-Israel, very successful as Secretary of State. And I think right now that's something which is badly needed. A, a foreign policy expert who is very, very staunchly conservative and very tough, very – he was extremely tough on Iran. Uh, you know, Pompeo with the – he was involved in the Abraham Accords. So I think the good outweighs the bad. But, yes, I said, oh, he's been loyal to Trump throughout. That is not true. He has not been loyal to Trump. He totally, totally flipped on Trump and and for – I mean, the classified document scandal, which is just completely, completely a nothing burger. Very, very upsetting. So great point. Thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, number two, back to the email. Quote, I'm still afraid of Trump winning the nomination over Haley. Let me in- interject you for a second. Trump's winning the nomination. Whether you're afraid or not, it's not like this is like a possibility. Like, let's let's it, it's over. OK, let's call this bait as bait. Back to the email just over a year ago. After the whole country witnessed two years of Biden's issues, border, inflation economy, Ukraine, Afghanistan debacle, the three key swing states, Georgia, uh, he means Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, voted in a, de- in a Democrat senator instead of a Trump-supporting senator. It seems like the swing states do not want Trump, even after they saw all of Biden's downfalls. OK, so a couple of things. So look, his point is he's worried. Can Trump win the swing? Now, put aside election fraud. And if they steal the election, I don't care if Trump has 98 percent of the votes in Pennsylvania. Well, maybe that would be make it too hard to steal. But we know it's going to be close. But in these swing states, obviously, the rig- election rigging and election fraud is a huge concern. Put that aside. Let's assume that the election is done fair and square. So the call is the listeners concerned. What if um, Trump just doesn't have those votes? You know, the swing states, they do not seem to like Trump. And as he pointed out, so my response is a couple of things. Number one. In 2022, I was shocked. I, I was stunned. I was floored. I said it. I, I predicted a much bigger red wave did not happen. And it turns out that a lot of it, some of it was abortion. A lot of it was because I don't think it's because they didn't like Trump, but I think it's because they did not blame Biden. I mean, look, we know that uh, a big chunk of the country does not like Trump and a big chunk of the country loves Trump. And the question is the voters in the middle. I think the voters in the middle would go for Trump. I think that the, the issue was in 2022, they were blaming Ukraine. They didn't see inflation long enough that they realized that it was Biden. People were upset. People were unhappy, frustrated. But at the end of the day, you know, Biden, if you go back to November 2022, if Biden wasn't we see, we get where we're, we see the truth. We have a very clear picture over here. People listen to this show. OK, so we saw right away that Biden was a disaster. But I saw people, I literally saw these people, people who are not necessarily radical leftists. And they said, oh, it's it's not Biden. There's, there's inflation everywhere in the world. Don't blame Biden for the for the economy. And there was, Biden got a pass on a lot of issues. The border was not nearly as bad as it is now, and a lot of other issues. So I do believe that I don't think these people would never ever vote for Trump. I think that some people would, but I think there's enough people who would vote for Trump. And some people just wouldn't vote for any Republican including Nikki Haley. So to me the issue is much more that they did not blame Biden. Right now, everybody look at Biden's numbers, everybody's blaming Biden. I mean, everybody it's been exposed uh, even Democrats. They just they're just not going to vote Republican, but they totally blame Biden for the fact that the world's on fire and that the economy is a disaster and everything else on the border. It, it, they're just not going to they're not going to vote, maybe. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll say, listen, but still Biden's better. Trump's too much of a threat. But so, no, I don't think that Trump is unelectable. I'm sorry. And, and if you look at the polling... Yeah, it's not great in the swing states. It's close. It's neck and neck. It's always going to be. But, uh, the answer to that is not like, alright, so let's get a moderate who's not going to really do the things we need them to do. Such as what I think, I think Nikki Haley. So that's my answer, but I don't think, uh, you know, that that's going to be, I, I just don't think it's going to make a break. Look, I, I definitely understand the concern. A couple of other things to keep an eye on, though. Number one, you know, Biden, they are going to improve the economy now, even though inflation is still very high and it's not going anywhere lower, but it's it's kind of... Stagnating, which is what you'd expect to do with leveling off. And Biden's taking all sorts of credit and they they might get the economy good enough. Interest rates might go down. The Fed's going to work on that. So a lot of political tricks they can do. Gas prices might go down. They're going to do every trick in the book to try to make it make people forget. People have very voters have very short memories. So if the economy is okay. And if the border, now they're trying to, 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 to work on the border. Biden, of course, in election year. So he's trying to close down the border. They might succeed to some degree. That was McConnell's uh, game plan. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, You know, what McConnell's real strategy here was, which is disgraceful. So that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that things, these issues, which right now are a disaster. There's a lot of time between now and November and Biden's going to do everything possible to uh, try to get those things under control enough that people could convince themselves, oh, well, you know what, he wasn't so bad after all. I've seen it happen before. I've seen it both ways. You know, B- Bush Sr. Uh, during the Iraq War, the first Gulf War, 1991, his, 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 his approval numbers were like in the 80s or something like that. It's just ridiculously high, high 70s, 80s. And uh, then the economy tanked and then it went way down. And then it goes the opposite direction where Obama, certain presidents, their approval numbers were low and then they got it up in time for the election. That's number one. Number two, I'm worried what if Biden steps aside is as I've been saying I think he's going to do. And then somebody like Michelle Obama runs. Well, then she can say, well, listen, I'm no Biden. Yeah, Biden. He had a lot of flaws, but I'm going to change things, you know, and then they can run. Without the baggage. So those things definitely scare me. Uh, let me quickly mention, before we get to the part three of the email, McConnell. Mitch McConnell. What is, what was his game plan over here when he was supporting this bogus deal that he has now withdrawn support for, this, this border deal? So what does McConnell want? <clears throat> So one of two options over here, you know, because you'll tell me, well, McConnell did it. You know, he knew that it wasn't going to pass anyway. Uh That's possible, like I said, because it wasn't going to pass in the House. And if it doesn't pass in the House, then McConnell can say, listen, I did everything I could. McConnell doesn't want to get the blame uh for the border mess. He wants to be able to say, listen, I did everything I could. I, I got a compromise. But th- th- those those conservatives, Mike Johnson, he wouldn't he wouldn't hump, hump, jump aboard. Or now he has Trump to blame. And they are doing that. They're blaming Trump. Now they're going to blame Trump for the border. But that's really McConnell, what his real game plan is. And it's, and it's actually working a little bit, not for you and me, but for, there are a lot of voters out there who are saying, oh, this is Trump's fault. Why did Trump go and kill this bill? He's not even in Congress. And uh, they're saying, why is Mike Johnson refusing to do a border deal? Isn't it better than nothing? There, there's some kind of thing in that bill. There's some kind of clause that after 5,000... Uh, daily per week, uh, illegals crossing the border. They would shut down the border. It would be like an automatic shut shutting down the border. So people are saying, listen, it's better than nothing. Right now, the border is open, which is it's it's ludicrous on so many levels. It's it's a it's a game. It's a trick. Don't fall for it because Biden could shut down the border right now. Trump shut down the border. Biden can shut down the border. He reversed Trump's policies. He doesn't need anything. If they could shut it down after five thousand, they could shut it down now. The only reason they're not is because. Biden wants open borders. So it, 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 there's nothing that Biden, that Trump did that Biden cannot do right now. He doesn't need Congress's permission. Trump never had Congress's permission. There was no law that changed in Congress. So they don't have to like go and give give Biden permission. So the only reason they're doing it, they're doing it now to try to turn it and flip it and blame the Republicans. And by the way, Rick Scott said, a Florida senator, he said, well, who's to say that Biden's really going to shut it down when it hits 5,000 because we have it written into law. He's like, it's already written into law that they should shut down the border at this point, and they're not doing it. So uh, th- th- he's an open borders president. What makes you think, like, if we pass a new law, then suddenly he's going to start following the law. Mayorkas is getting impeached because he's not enforcing the law and he's not in- enforcing border law. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, It's So th- nothing's going to change. Just because you pass a bill, there's no way to enforce it, no way to force Biden to do it, th- which is a really great point. So what McConnell really is trying to do here, he's trying to be able to, he wants to be able to say, what's Going to happen is Biden is going to one way or another shut down, uh, not shut down the border. No way. But but he's going to lower the numbers. They're going to they're going to like this is what they do. These politicians is now the numbers are so out of control because Biden made it that way that they're going to knock it down. They're going to shut down the border a little. It's going to go. It's going to be like seventy percent of what it is. They're not going to say, oh, we knocked it down by thirty percent. We 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 our border enforcement. We have reduced the number of illegals coming across. They're not going to call it illegals, but 30 percent. It's 30 percent lower than it was. And we reduced or we reduced it by half a million a year or some number that sounds big, except it's not because things are so, so insane out of control that even a even a fraction, even a small fraction sounds like a huge number. And McConnell wants to be able to say, I helped. I helped Biden do that. I helped solve the border crisis. That's McConnell. And and, and throw the rest of the Republicans under the bus. And, uh, and and now he got what he wanted because now he can say, oh, listen, I tried, but it was Trump who who, who put a stop to this bill. Don't blame me. All right. Number three from this email caught. I'm afraid Republicans are becoming too tribal uh, as opposed to even using common sense. The job of the Democrats is to be irrational. We should not copy that. Republicans start saying early voting is wrong. They're not using common sense. What in the world is wrong with early voting? It's not like mail-in ballots or no voter ID, which leads to fraud. Early voting is safe. Republicans can vote early too. And if you tell me Republicans just don't vote early, well, okay, that's on them, but why is that a reason to oppose early votes? I don't know. He doesn't tell me which Republicans. It's possible. I didn't hear any Republicans say that they're not, uh, that, 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 that early voting is Something bad. I I don't think early voting is bad. I just think we have to get Republican voters out there because early voting just gives you a lot more time and a lot more leeway. If you wait till the last day, then, excuse me, inevitably, some voters... Just don't end up making it. Early voting just gives you a much bigger window and Republican voters have to get on board. So I don't know. But no, I don't. I, think, I look, there is a tribalism amongst Republicans. This is a long conversation, which we will not get into now beyond the scope of this discussion. But uh, it has to do with the covid vaccine it has to do with the woke leftist agenda. And then you have a group of conservatives. And Republicans who they just don't want to help you know, intervene in any sort of foreign policy issues. They, they, they don't even want to retaliate against Iran. And that's, that's a very fringe and extremist, uh, and a small minority uh, of Republicans. But yeah, there is some sort of tribalism amongst the Republicans. There is amongst the Democrats too. That always happens. But that's not mainstream. Mainstream, the Republicans are much more rational and the conservative agenda is much better. It's not perfect, but much better. Uh, a caller, the same caller who asked for no shout out, he called back and he thanked me for the no shout out. He thought that I, you spent too much time not giving him a shout out. He didn't even want me to do that. He's going to be upset now that I'm even saying this. But he said we need to gloat more. He said the last show, it had already been a few days after Trump won New Hampshire. So we, we didn't get to gloat enough about, and look, I'm not looking to gloat. I'm really not looking to gloat. I think he meant gloat the fact that Trump won. And of course, many listeners, not everybody, but a lot of, a lot of listeners to this show, uh, our Trump supporters, our mega Republicans. And uh, yeah, look, it, it's pretty exciting. I mean, uh, if if you like Trump, if you do not like Trump or you think that Trump cannot win, well, you like him, but you think he's, he's going to lose, I guess it's not so exciting, but it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not out to gloat. I guess we could celebrate it, if we think it's a good thing. At the end of the day, things right now are so tenuous and uh, everything happening with the indictments and, uh, you know, with, with, with everything going on around the world. It's kind of hard to celebrate again. We have to stay healthy, emotionally healthy. We have to be happy about the things that there are to be happy about and be grateful. But uh, you know, it's not time to celebrate. Let's wait until November before we celebrate till election day. Another caller said that why are these countries halting UNRWA funding right now? He he's the hypothesized to me it's because Israel decided the, the caller really wanted to know why is Israel suddenly exposing this information? They've had it for years. So Good point. Obviously, it has to do with the Hamas terror attack, but still, why right now? He feels there is a lot of talk of a potential ceasefire arrangement, so he feels that Israel is planning to eventually give in and carry out. By the way, there's enormous pressure under uh, by, uh, an- enormous, enormous pressure from the Biden administration on Israel more than ever, and even Ambassador David Friedman, the former Trump ambassador to Israel, he actually slammed Biden. And he was originally a little bit more uh positive about Biden, and now he's gotten very negative, rightfully so. But the caller thinks that, that Netanyahu is planning to give in and do some sort of permanent ceasefire um, or something like that, a very long ceasefire, and that that's going to be a prerequisite. You have to dismantle UNRWA. Interesting theory. He also said, look at how everybody's pressuring Israel to allow aid into Gaza unconditionally, but nobody says that Hamas needs to release hostages unconditionally. Yeah, look, there's an enormous, enormous, not only double standard, it's way beyond double Double standard doesn't even, doesn't even do it justice. Doesn't even, uh, d- 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 doesn't even partially explain or d- describe the difference, the way Israel is treated versus the way Hamas is treated. A lot of callers have said to me, explain the primaries, explain the primaries, what's the difference between a primary and a caucus and how does it work with delegates and why is Nikki Haley not on the ballot in Nevada and what's the deal, What what what's the primary system? Okay, uh, enough people have asked for it that I'm going to try, not now, I will, we'll try to do it one of these days, even though, again, it's not so relevant anymore this time around, but look, it's out there, people want to know, it's a fair question, it's a, certainly something which is interesting. And it is somewhat technical, but uh, hopefully one of these days we'll do a show, uh, an episode dedicated to explaining the system of primaries and the difference between a primary and a caucus. Get ready. Caucuses are strange, but uh, that, that'll that have to wait. Um, all right. Senior FBI officials say we are being invaded at the southern border. Ten retired FBI directs, directors as well as experts in counterintelligence sent a letter to Congress they say Biden's border policies have facilitated what they call a soft invasion um, of terrorists from from, from from terrorist countries as well as China and Russia. They say a terrorist attack is likely imminent, but it is preventable. Let me read you some excerpts here from the letter. "Quote: The U.S. has never suffered an invasion, and yet one is unfolding now. Military-age men from across the globe, many from countries or regions not friendly to the U.S., ...are landing in waves on our soil by the thousands, not by splashing ashore off a ship or parachuting, but by foot across a border that has been accurately advertised around the world as largely unprotected with ready access granted. It would be difficult to overstate the danger presented by the presence inside our borders of what is comparatively a multi-division army of young single adult males from hostile nations and regions whose background, intent, or allegiance is completely unknown. In light of such a daunting, unprecedented penetration by uninvited foreign actors, it is reasonable to assert... That the country possesses dramatically diminished national security at this time, <clears throat> the nation's military and laws and other natural protective barriers that have provided traditional security in the past have been thoroughly circumvented over the past three years end quote uh, pretty scary uh, the 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 union of the cbp 's official union which represents eighteen thousand CbP agents they have written a letter siding with Texas against Biden and slamming Biden yes the union the NB, the National Border Patrol Council, it represents more than 18,000 members who are part of the Customs Border Protection. They say we actually support Texas. We're with Texas. They say they're not going to cut down the razor wire and they slammed Biden for not protecting the border. Um, uh, By the way, you know, another caller said, getting back to UNRWA, another caller said that I'm not giving Biden enough credit for defunding UNRWA. And two points. Number one, like I said, I'm not convinced. I think he was under enormous pressure. He had no choice. And I don't think he's happy about it. And I think he's going to restore funding. I can't prove that. But we'll wait and see. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first to admit that I'm wrong. But another interesting point is that uh, the U.S. is still sending another $51 million to UNRWA. Can you believe that? This is egregious. The funding pause applies only to new or additional funding. Anything that has not been announced yet. But, but, but the United States has already announced an obligation of January from, uh, as of January 16th of $51 million being sent to UNRWA. They're not reneging on that. They're still sending 51 million. Now, why can't you just not send the 51 million or at least pause that? You're suspending everything else. Suspend that. OK, the fact that they're sending that just tells you all you need to know. And uh, yeah, and no, Biden gets no credit as far as I'm concerned. John Fetterman, speaking of credit, we've got to give credit to Senator John Fetterman, who, again, he's done it again. He is so pro-Israel, it's scary. He's more pro-Israel than most Republican senators. And he mocked pro-Hamas protesters again by waving an Israeli flag right in front of their face. He has shown unwavering support for Israel. Protesters targeted his home. The crowd, ch- the crowd chanted, Fetterman, Fetterman, you cannot hide. You're supporting genocide. He climbed up to his roof of his building, looked down at them with the large Israeli flag, waved it at them. Now, Fetterman, now look, Fetterman, in a lot of ways, you know, they, they laugh about, you know, he had brain uh, brain injury, a ser- serious brain uh, problem. Uh, he, suffered, he suffered a stroke, Rahman al and, um, We never made fun of him, even when he was a senator, when he was a candidate and he had a lot of trouble articulating. I was surprised that someone in his condition could be elected. And I'll get to that a little bit in a second. But um, but I never, ever mocked or ridiculed him. I was very careful about that just because, you know, the humanity of it. I mean, I you know, I honestly I I had compassion and pity for him. And now it turns to so now they're saying, well, he's recovering and his brain, obviously, as it recovers, is getting more rational than it ever was because he used to be progressive. He used to be now he is still progressive in some areas. But when it comes to the border, a bunch of policies, he has become more right wing, more conservative than any than, than any other Democrat and then even some Republicans, he shifted his views on fossil fuels, border security, and trade. And he, he the more he regains brain function, it, you know, they're joking about it, but I'm not convinced it's a joke. But um, and now he's blasted South Africa's hypocrisy for the whole. We didn't even get into it. The the ICJ this bogus, bogus, ridiculous, ludicrous, absurd, you know, court case in the Hague with South Africa. Accusing Israel of genocide, but um, but Fetterman has been so pro-Israel, and so Kohler made a great point. Kohler said, you know, from the hashkafic standpoint. You know, we were surprised. Fetterman, it was like Shalika erechateva. His his victory. He was up against Dr. Oz, who was a formidable candidate. So you say, well, it was twenty twenty. There was a Biden wave. But like Fetterman, he was a really, really flawed candidate. I mean, he just had a lot of issues. You you know, even if he was a Republican, I don't know that I would have supported somebody in his condition. But Hakadosh Baruch had other plans. Hakadosh Baruch and he said, look at the hashkachas protest. Look at the of somebody we can't always know and understand, but certainly is pretty pretty fascinating. How, look, he's the best friend of Israel in the entire Congress, arguably. And uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put him there kind of against all odds. All right, finally, the FBI uh, apparently is hiring agents based on DEI, based on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a total disgrace. A group of current and former FBI agents handed a report to the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee. They say that the standards being loosened, the, the standards that are being uh, sacrificed – when when the FBI hires agents, our physical fitness, drug use, finances, mental health, integrity, and experience—they want to easily, more easily accommodate a larger pool of available applicants. Just like just like Mark Cuban, we, we need we need we, 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 we need a bigger pool. We need to find people uh, who we would not otherwise find. So we need to not worry about the fact that they're totally physically unfit to do the job and have mental health issues. Uh, one one, one uh, person overseeing the physical fitness portion of the qualification process disqualified an applicant because she weighed more. She was more than fifty pounds overweight, but she was told by her supervisors, or superiors, to con- to, to reconsider because uh, apparently they need to make sure that they have enough female agents, even if they're too obese to do the job. In another instance, a black female candidate said that she hates working out and was never active. But they were told to hire her anyway. Basic knowledge of reading and writing in English is a problem for some new agents, new recruits. Some cannot construct a basic sentence. And look, I'm not very into, you know, uh, needing an education for this stuff, but you need to have certain basic skills. The source said that a female minority agent was not able to properly fill out a standard FBI interview report in FD302 form. And the source went to a superior and said that she should be fired. And he was told, no, we need more minority female agents. Very, very comforting. And by the way, another story is someone quit. They had to require 1.5, one and a half mile run for new agents. And one of them just said, no, I quit right in the middle of the run. One agent had previous drug use in history, history of drug use. And they said, well, you're a minority, so we're going to hire you anyway it you know an, another recruit was arrested and fought with police officers before being hired for the FBI so that is not very comforting that the FBI is hiring not based on merit and and majorly sacrificing on certain basic basic standards in the interest of DEI that's going to do it for today and we will see you next time